Hello and welcome to season one, episode four of Wembley Diners. I'm joined by Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. And my name is David. And today we are going to be discussing the subjects of miracles, yeah. both within the church and outside the church, and how this corresponds to people people's belief. How this is a foundation for many people's beliefs and. Should this be a foundation for people's beliefs? Are they true? Are they falsified? Is there reality? Etc. Etc. And this we take mainly from our perspective um, because we are neither academics nor, if we're honest with ourselves, have the time to research this fully. Yep. <laughs> but what well, the reason we're taking it from our perspective again, this is about discussion of how we perceive faith and how we perceive our belief, um, and so our experience of the miraculous in church or the lack of miraculous in church will be the main focus of our discussion. And so we'll be kicking that off, but I believe, Sam, you have a question for me as we usually start these things with questions from the previous episodes. I do. So um, we talked about church over the last two episodes, um, episodes two and episode three, and I wanted to kind of drill down a little bit deeper. So um, it's a scripted question, so forgive me. Um, so I'm just going to read it. And so you think it's possible to live Acts 242, but you also admit you don't live it out and even in your small group Sunday settings, things have stagnated to an unhelpful structure. So I want to drill down a little bit further. How do you think it's possible to fully live Acts 2.42? Surely you can't say it's possible and then actually it's, you're unable to do it. Yeah, um, and my answer to this one would be, as I said, have said before, is the fact I don't actually believe it. If I'm honest with myself, that's what I said in the very first episode, is if I'm honest, I don't actually believe Christianity. Because the only way you could live this life is if you truly didn't believe this life had anything to offer you, and you truly believed that this was just temporary, and you truly believed that our existence here has a purpose, but it's ultimately not the point, um, and that this will all pass away, and it's just a glimpse in eternity. And if you truly believe that, then you can live this, because the consequences of living that life, which would be hard, probably fulfilling, but hard, then they have no hold over you. And so I think you can only truly live Acts 242 if you truly believe, and that's the only way you're going to do it. If you truly believe, and it's truly real, and the Holy Spirit truly changes you, mm. I think that's the only way you can actually live that life um, I'm sure there's a few very altruistic people in the world who could live their life just on their own. Okay, yeah. But I think it's a very, very small percentage. Okay. And so I think that's the only way you can actually live this. And it brings it back to the why we're having these discussions because the realization for myself yeah. is because I can't do this, realization I don't actually truly believe this mm. because I'm still clinging on to this life. I still care and value money. I care and value my house. I care and value my car. I care and value my family in a way that is. Primary, primary, yeah, primary over the kingdom of God, Jesus, etc. So I think that'd be my quick and short answer to it. It's good, yeah. I think there's there's a lot in that about the. <clears throat> not that I want to now dive into the question or the answer to the question, but I definitely think it's interesting how we realise we don't actually believe something, and then we have to look back at why we believed something to start off with. And it's the you mentioned there about the Holy Spirit waking you up or kind of making himself known to you or, or whatever. It's a really interesting um, idea because that's kind of what I want to happen. Like, if, if it's true, and I, I do want it to be true, if I'm being honest still, in that point where I do want it to be true, and I know those people say they don't want it to be true, I'm currently, I do want it to be true. And I can see how I could come to a point where I don't want it to be true. But because I do want it to be true, I have to trust that the Holy Spirit will make it reveal it to me. 
and and that kind of that talk isn't about when jesus gets to his disciples and says follow me he doesn't say you know become my disciples or become apostles he says just follow me and experience it and do it and i don't yeah. think it's it's interesting that i don't think it's possible to actually do it without actually believing it but then you can't potentially actually believe it without doing it and it's this like awkward dichotomy where i also don't think it's true for very very similar reasons you can't you, you just can't get around this kind of like um spiral dog chasing its tail it's a, a weird a weird one that was it thank you for your answer man. it's all right um and just on the back of that i think yeah as you said it's the holy spirit being true and real and actually changing you is the key and i don't know if that is real for most people and again the terminology we can talk about this another time but baptizing the holy spirit and filled with the holy spirit all this terminology that's used in church circles um i, I think we we miss that because as far as I'm concerned, from reading Acts and the Bible, being baptised or filled with the Holy Spirit is a life-changing event. It's not just that, oh, that felt nice, or I feel a bit fuzzy, or I can, I don't know, prophesy or whatever. Mm. It is a, a generally life-altering experience. Um, John Wesley, um, his moment was really subtle. He said he was in a room with people praying and he felt strangely warm, and that was the turning point in his life, which sounds such a nothing thing, yeah. but for him it was profound and life-changing that led to him spending the rest of his life traveling and preaching and all the things he did, despite his ill health and all sorts. His diaries are amazing, well worth a read. Um, but yeah, that, that profoundly changed his life. And so, yeah, it, that's the key. And so I think, again, if we're honest with ourselves, if you're a Christian and you're not living this, I think it's because you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, etc. I think that is a reality. Um, and I think people are frightened to admit that. I think in church circles, there's a fear to say, I haven't been feel the Holy Spirit or know the Holy Spirit because it's almost like there's an expectation if you're in church and apparently a Christian then you should and then people don't want to admit they aren't but then their lifestyles don't actually show that they have and so you, I agree with you it's a dog chasing his tail but I think the key is the Holy Spirit if this is all true then that is the key yeah so, so yeah miracles yeah on that note um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about miracles today because I see and hear the term miracles banded around all the time, like all the time in church circles, within Christians, and I mean just religion generally, and how that's actually, well, miracles are a profound thing. It's when the laws of nature have been subverted, and something significant and profound and otherworldly happen, which cannot be explained any other way. And the term is used for things that are not those. Yeah. The term is used for things, very normal things that people act as if are miracles. And so the question to the listener and to ourselves is, have you ever actually seen a miracle, an actual miracle, like something that could not be explained in any other way than God interjecting the flow of the world? And if you consider miracles we read about in the Bible, which is the blind seeing, like lame walking, rivers being stopped, seas being parted, pillars of fire, if we take that as miracles, the same question again, have you ever actually seen a miracle? Because biblical miracle compared to what people say a miracle very different things um, and so I wanted to talk about that mm -hmm. and um, the first sort of question to you Sam in your church experience from in your life from birth essentially <laughs> to very recently have you seen the miraculous in regards to the big show-and-tell miraculous no so um, I'm not going to get into this but in terms of what you would see happening in the New Testament, uh, the 
blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the lame walking, the kind of very clear messianic performance. Um, <clears throat> I haven't seen anything like that and I think it is one of the reasons, quite a big one, one of the reasons why I doubt in the existence of God because I genuinely think as followers of God in church settings and stuff we talk about miracles and the ability to see and witness and hear these things and then what we actually experience is you know I had a headache and it's kind of better now or my eyes are quite painful and they're now not feeling as painful and there isn't anything that you can't attribute to psychological realities that we that we experience every day yeah. um, so I can't yeah I can't say I've ever seen a miracle um, people might say to me hey you know when you needed to buy a house some uh, money came through at the right time in a couple, from a couple of different sources that you weren't expecting and I'll be like yeah that, that's true that that did happen and they'll be like that's a miracle it's God providing for you isn't it and I'm just like well that isn't actually a miracle that's just a God instance as they might call them a coincidence or a normal person um, and they might very much say, well, I've seen God move in your life because I've seen these things. And I'm like, well, they aren't actually, you can't prove to me that they're God. You can just say you think they're God, but there's no way they're actually going, here is God. And um, I was watching a video actually that you linked to me the other day about um, uh, kind of pastors lying on stage and stuff, which is quite an interesting topic in and of itself. <laughs> um, but yeah. in that, he talks very much about the idea of miracles and how we're always looking for miracles in the gaps, the, the God of the gaps argument that we, Richard Dawkins talks about, loads of people talk about it, and I'm not saying that all Christians make this argument, but it's the fact that we believe, you know, okay, we'll see the miracle, we'll see God when something came from nothing, when life first started, when evolution ha happens, we'll see God's hand in things, and every time we say we're going to see God somewhere throughout the whole of history, when we've actually got to it, lo and behold, there's, there's not a miracle there, there's a scientific explanation to how something has come about. Uh, we might not understand it, there's loads of things we don't understand in the world and we might actually never get to a point where we understand it before you know, the heat death of the universe. But it doesn't mean that there's God, you're just, you're just asserting God into places where you can't actually prove it is, is or isn't God. Um, so there's two things going on there, there's the, the God of the gaps miracles argument and there's also the coincidences or God instances, people would say it. Um, and that happens all the time in church. So the miracles that I see in church, as I said, are the, you know, the headaches, the eye problems, the back aches. Like someone says, I've got a prophetic word. Um, so we've had it quite, it's, it's winter at the moment. It's been really stormy and rainy. And so someone said, you know, uh, I've seen some trees falling down recently in my garden. I feel like God's saying that some of you feel like you've been smashed by wind. You've been knocked to the ground. And then it could be another time like, you know, there's been some flooding recently. And I feel like God's saying that he wants his spirit to flood from, you know, every kind of river and lake and pour into the the homes that we've built in our lives to see and we we kind of just input what we want to happen into stuff and it's a similar thing with 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 pain and, and miracles and stuff we could be you know our, we really want to see prayer for you know uh, better exam results we want to you know the bus to not arrive late or whatever it is and then we, we attribute those things to god there might not be a, a miracle per se it could just be an answer to prayer but we still say that that is what that is, God has provided that thing without actually having any evidence apart from you wanting it to happen and it happening. Or even if it doesn't happen, you say, you know, God, God is mysterious and all-knowing and all-powerful and I've got to trust him. And then when it does work out like you want it to, isn't God gracious and loving to, to give those things? Whatever happens, we spin it so that it looks like it, it is God.
if you ever heard the listen to the podcast how I built this how I made this how I built no. this it's uh, Guy Rolls the guy who does TED Radio Hour he does a podcast on interviewing people who have set up successful businesses okay. so like James James Dyson uh, the guys who set up uh, Instagram and Ben and Jerry's etc you and Dyson's no no I love Dyson's <laughs> um, but what it is it's their stories about how they set up the business okay. and it's amazing how many times their business nearly failed yet but for an event they succeeded so um, Instagram guys they made an original bad app they saw someone's app and the most popular part they could see people using was the picture side mm. so they had this moment of inspiration and again so what you're saying is that if those guys had been Christians which as far as where they're not they would attribute that to God and God's work and it would be miraculous that he'd guide them and there was a point when they were saying that they had uh, like a, a ring binder full of credit cards they were living like literally off hundreds of credit cards to keep the thing going for the wow. money that's so scary yeah <laughs> horrible um, and they had this breakthrough when they met this person who was like a hedge fund manager and they managed to pitch <clears> him <throat> but again so what you're saying there is that all these events that happen in people's lives these guys would just say it was good fortune yeah. and you're saying that Christian circles we immediately attribute that, that to God and claim it as miraculous so yes and so since I've kind of stepped away from believing in, in Yahweh um, judo uh, christian gods i have noticed coincidences in my life of the opposite ilk as well so whereas before i'd be like i need to find a podcast on prayer or i need to find something on prayer and struggling with prayer and then all of a sudden like i've been thinking that subconsciously and someone will tell me about prayer on linkedin article and i'm like oh god's clearly talking to me about prayer and the other other extreme is i need to i need to understand morality like how does morality work without god or purpose or whatever how does that make sense without god because god was the basis to everything so how do i go forward from that place and all of a sudden I'll find an article or the podcast in my feed, the next one that drops in will be about morality and atheism or, or whatever. And it just happens to be that what, what we surround ourselves with, we will naturally attribute and think that we are special. Like it's just, I think it's the way we've evolved. Like we, at, least, at least the way the culture's designed it, or definitely the way culture's designed it. Like I was told when I was growing up, you can be anything. I can't. I can't be anything. I can't be a fighter pilot. I'm too. I'm literally too big. Yeah. Like you can't be anything. Um. And that's. And we want to be anything, and, and that's fine. But we can't actually be anything. And and we all surround ourselves and say that you know, these things are real and they're true and they're happening. But actually, it's just the positive messages that we're repeatedly giving ourselves to encourage ourselves in our walk with God, because we don't actually see Him. We feel Him and we hope Him. Hope in Him. Hope Him. And we, yeah, pray to him and seek him and trust that there is someone who's guiding us. And, and we, we seek that comfort. And I think that's a big thing. I know we're going to come on to worship and stuff, but we seek that, those little reminders about God doing stuff. So I think those coincidences, God instances, atheism instances, <laughs> whatever it is, like I think we just attribute it without actually knowing it's true. Unless God is giving me atheist instances to encourage me in my journey of atheism. He works in mysterious ways. He works in mysterious ways. Um, do you think there is a, a need, especially in Christianity, for the miraculous to be true, for the belief to be true? Well, I think you get into very interesting situations if you don't think it's true. So uh, a lot of people believe that the gifts of the Spirit, if you call the miracles or not, or at least signs and wonders, stopped. Uh, so sensationalism, the idea that they were just for the start of the church and then, since then they've not been a real thing. So that would say that everyone that talks in tongues, uh, which is an, an interesting one, is just saying gobbledygook as they talk, yeah. which is fascinating, um, but they feel like they're connecting with God. And um, I think that, yeah, 
it, it's really important that we, as Christians, I said we when I was a Christian that miracles were a vital part of it. I got to believe firstly that the, the Bible was stacked with miracles, that the whole point of Jesus' death and resurrection is a miraculous event in history that arguably is true if you look at it through a certain lens and you, you I'm saying arguably, like N.T. Wright would arguably say it's true and he had his, his reasons or, or whatever um, and you, you need to have these miracles to actually bring something in that's different you have to feed a different factor in, into the world and into events and if you don't have those today Christianity is in question it's a, unless you're a sensationalist unless you believe that they've stopped and there's we just kind of talk to God and hope he's there but I think miracles are a way of God moving and changing and shifting things and the Bible talks, Jesus says, you know, you will, you will do greater things than these. And he's done some pretty great things. And then we'll hear about amazing situations where, you know, this person that was dead for four hours suddenly came back to life with no brain damage. And, you know, there was a famine in this place and all of a sudden this, this cart with grain broke down and fed this, this village for like five days. And it's, yeah. it's an absolute miracle that happened. And all these different situations. And uh, I think we strive and desire those things as confirmation. I really do. And in turn, therefore, we, as you said before, almost make them up. Is what you'd suggest. That's what I feel like. Um, the, the whole miracle thing's been debated for a long time. So there's a guy called David Hume, who is a famous Scottish philosopher. Um, I think, I think, like, early 1800s, maybe even late 1700s. I'm not entirely sure. I need to do some maths. Um, and <laughs> so, someone will tell us. Somewhere, someone will tell us. Um, David Hume, he's been rebuttaled and talked about and, you know, challenged throughout time. Um, and he is just basically a philosopher who was not a Christian and uh, had something to say about miracles and kind of p part of the quote is this um, no testimony is sufficient to establish a miracle unless the testimony be of such a kind that its falsehood would be more miraculous than the fact which it endeavours to establish say that again no testimony is sufficient to establish a miracle unless the testimony be of such a kind that its falsehood would be more miraculous than the fact which it endeavours to establish. Now there are loads of ways you could argue with that philosophically, but what I believe he's trying to say, and, that, and please tell me if I'm wrong, listener and Dave and stuff, is that to prove something false needs to be more, more miraculous than the thing you're saying is miraculous itself. Yeah. And we don't, we don't see that in, in any of the miracles. There is usually something that is a naturalistic explanation that is more provable than the miraculous event itself and sure he was writing at a time period when we we're starting to look at kind of like rationalism and the idea of being able to scientifically justify everything and proof and ideas and making sure we have our hard hard facts um, so that's that's a lot in there but I, I do think that's a really interesting idea that that would be a miracle and in fact the miracle is actually more miraculous than the thing that would falsify it uh, the miracle is less miraculous than the thing you need to falsify it, which is a really hard dichotomy to get into. Um, but yeah, that, so they're the sort of kind of ideas that a lot of philosophers have around miracles. So the example would be the passing of the Red Sea in the Bible. Um, the explanation is God parted the ocean, but the in that using that example, the example you'd have to use is that the gravitational pull of the moon perfectly worked that part of the ocean and caused it to divide equally among two sides or the tidal flow of the ocean. So the explanation of that being not a miracle becomes yeah. so ludicrous yeah. that the, the miracle itself becomes a more reasonable explanation. Because yeah. the idea is about getting down to simplicity. I'm not sure I agree with this, but uh, Richard Dawkins talks about it a, a little bit, the, the idea that there would have to be in a scrapyard a whirlwind that would perfectly construct a Boeing 747 
is similar to kind of the things we need to do to create God and to create that kind of like explanation. Yes, you're using the same argument against evolution as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 precisely. Yeah, I think people use it for it, or what they use it for whatever they want to use it for. Yeah, which is kind of like what we do in miracles, weirdly. Um, but yeah, so it's it's exactly the same as that. It's it's that kind of you will do whatever you can to to prove something and. You know, there are loads of great explanations for why the Red Sea parted if you believe that Moses did walk through that time period, uh, through the through the Red Sea at that time period, but um, we don't like to talk about those, we like to think it is a miraculous thing. And it, interestingly on that, if there were the right amount of people, that, if, if the Old Testament was correct in that people that went through the Red Sea, and if, um, if they, they crossed it in the most likely place that we believe them to cross, I think it would take them something like three and a half days walking ten people across to actually cross the Red Sea. There was that many people. Well, which blows the account out of the water. So it's, it's an interesting one. Depends on wide the gap was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, in terms of how the, how the land goes, you can't be that wide. But um, it, it's a fascinating one. I think we we just go, yeah, it's amazing. God led the God led them out of Egypt and brought them across the Red Sea. And we, we just say these things without actually having proof that they happened. We just insert it and you know pop out our hope and our religious convictions and our wants from. Yeah. So when you when you were still a believer, how did you relate the stories in the Bible to your day to day, and how did you get over? Because you'd have had to get over that tension, mm-hmm. because you see in the Bible it talks about all these things happening. Yeah. So like what sound like real miraculous events, so true healings, true miracles, and then day to day life. How did you? But you said it was one of the reasons that you struggled. So. But how did you sort of shut off that voice for so long? And what yeah. did you say to yourself to say otherwise? A, a, a really helpful thing that I always started saying to myself um, when I was a believer was essentially that um, God has allowed the enemy, being Satan, the accuser, the evil, whatever you think the enemy is, to reign more prominently than they would have reigned in Jesus' time. So. For some reason, God has chosen this time and place to allow the enemy to lower our ability to hear God, lower the ability to see miracles, um, especially in the West, has become become more sceptical and more wanting to look at the actual naturalistic explanations to stuff. I, I laughed only because we said when we were playing this that our tagline of it all happens in Africa. It all happens in Africa. Yeah. It's true. And you see, you hear this, like, every single Sunday at my church, and it's... Um, it's a small church, um, anywhere from 30 to 70 people, depending on, on when it is. Um, they will talk about, you know, the church in China. Their prayers will start with, like, we're so lucky and so blessed to be here today, praising and worshipping when those people in other countries are you know, being persecuted and all that sort of stuff. I completely agree, they are being persecuted for, the, for their belief system. I'm not saying that's right, but it's always like over there they're seeing miracles, they're seeing provision, they're seeing all these things. And it's the, we, we always like to point somewhere else and say it's happening there. And I think it's just simply because we can't prove it's not, so therefore it must be. It's the whole gap argument again. Yeah. That's how I feel, but go on. So the suggestion, yeah, that because Africa is so far away and most people won't ever go, the idea that, yeah, you can legitimately say it happens over there and everyone, because they want to believe it, will accept it as truth yeah. without it being true. Yeah. Or you hear like fourth-hand stories of accounts where you know, a pastor was out there preaching and the weather started to turn because a witch doctor was praying against the weather and um, the congregation got together and prayed and they literally saw the skies clear and they could continue preaching to the masses and like 400 people became Christians because they were able to hear the gospel or 
I've heard like people from my family tell them that like you know oh this is an amazing time when they're um, a Christian minister, uh, missionary was walking through an African village and a witch doctor came up to him and had like loads of nails in their skin and stuff and like loads of animals all over them like skeletons and things and were cursing this person, cursing this person, cursing this person. This person just returned, uh, turned around and rebuked them and went, in, in the name of Christ, I cast you out. And all the nails in their body pushed themselves out and fell to the floor. And then this person, who was a witch doctor, is now one of the major evangelists in that region. I'm like, as a Christian, you're like, yes, it backs up my faith, gives me hope, gives me, you know, God is still moving today. He's not stopped moving, he's still there. Um, but looking back at it rationally, like, someone's just made a story up to give someone those things. It's like, and it's, it's the whole confirmation thing, like we want to confirm what we believe, and if we can give a story that someone else will hear and think it's good, we will give that story, and it's got to start somewhere, because no one can actually go, Here, here's the actual report of it, or here is it actually happening. then you would have the before and after medical records. Yep. You would have CT scan with tumour, and you'd have CT scan without the tumour, with no medical intervention in between. That doesn't seem to happen very often. Um, which is, again, it raises lots of questions, and how much of this is fabricated. Yeah. I don't believe everyone fabricates it on purpose. No, they're fun, no. No, I think it is, uh, yeah, again, this need to have it be a thing nowadays. And so they're happy to accept a story which they would normally. And that's an interesting one for the listener. Um, ripping this off, Doug from online. Hmm. Like, what would your response be if a Muslim told you the same stories? Yeah. And to have that angle on it, wouldn't it? Like, okay, if I just heard this story from a fellow Christian. What if that was a Muslim telling me the story? Would I believe it? It'd be interesting to know what the answer to that would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. So you're about to say something, and I interrupted you. Stuff like the the the, the cancer stuff, um, <laughs> obviously a massive topic and um, a horrific problem that's plaguing humanity. Um, it basically just it just boils down to the, to, to the simple truth that you do see natural remission of cancer. I know that might you know sound weird or something, but the oncologists will tell you that non-Christians who don't pray for anything will see natural remission of cancer. It, it happens. It's not very. It doesn't happen very often. It's not really likely to happen, but you do see the body fighting against it, and it stops growing, and it and it goes away. Like yeah. it can happen. Um, so it, it's it's just the fact that we'd like to attribute it to God. Um, like we had something really bad happen in our church recently. I'm not going to go into details uh, to protect the, those guys, but um, you know there were so many prayers about this person getting better, um, or this person passing on and being with Jesus, and it was almost like the prayers were cut off because. They wanted to see the miracle, they wanted to see this person restored to full health, but they also where this person wasn't going to make it if what had happened was going to see them through to their death. And it's that, but it's okay because they're going to now go and be with God and we can now preach the hope and we can preach you know, the resurrection and everyone who believes that you know, certain things will lead them to hell and certain things will bring them to heaven, that can all be addressed and challenged. And it's amazing how we've seen God flourish so much in the last few weeks and months because of this problem. And, it's been a really hard trial, but we've seen God keep us going, and it's it's just just like there's no actual proof that God's been there, done anything, encouraged anybody apart from yeah, them wanting to see that. And I'm reiterating, reiterating the same point repeatedly, but it's because these all fit into the same categories, they're just different scenarios. 
yeah. uh, essentially. There's a great desire for people to be affirmed in their belief, whatever that belief is, but attribute people to, well, sorry, cause people to attribute something to something. Well, I sent you the article again about that massive animal sacrifice that's happened in India. Yes. When tens of thousands of animals are being slaughtered for a religious festival, the name of which escapes me, but it's on the news, you can Google it. Um, but one of the stories there was a couple who were attributing um, the infertility being fixed to this event. Yeah. That this sacrifice of tens of thousands of animals had allowed them to be fertile and they were going to have a child. Because their story was they went last year and they sacrificed their animal along with all the other tens of thousands of people and then now they're pregnant. And again, a Christian would say, well, that's a load of rubbish. But would you as a Christian, if you went to a crusade in Africa and these people went and the year after they were they had a baby, you'd attribute that to God and that'd be fine. So there's that duality, isn't there, yeah. between if it's another religion, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas if it's Christianity, great, God's moving. It can't be both. Well, it could be, but it's interesting how, I mean, hmm. God could be working and then yeah. this is just a coincidence. But yeah, it's that angle of, would you believe it if it was a Muslim, a Hindu, uh, this? I think wherever you go, you can get back to a point, and the listener, and I know I think about this, and I know you do as well, mate, it, the, you can go back to a point where you go, well, yeah, this I actually wouldn't believe, this this would just be this is made up poppycock or whatever. Um, and then from there, you can build upwards. So it's that case of actually, you know, you don't have to be bringing personal circumstances into it straight away, but, you know, actually, I don't believe that murdering these animals made this couple pregnant. And that's interesting because if it was, a you know, a Christian... Thing, it wasn't killing animals it was just prayer then I would probably would attribute it to God why, why would I do that and then it can go to well we were actually the couple that thought that we were pregnant because of this thing but actually I know that I don't if I if it was someone else I wouldn't believe their story about do you know what I mean you can build it into yeah. your own life and go why do I believe that because I got money from two different sources when we need to buy a house at the last moment possible that God did it because I want it to be God not because I can actually prove it's God because that's how we work and that's how these people work and that's how the whole of humanity works. It's the same with, with jobs and pay rises and pay cuts and all this sort of stuff. Like we'll justify it because we need to put it into a box and or put it into our life and make it make sense to the, the grand picture. Like people ask me, you know, say one of my children, God forbid, um, dies or something horribly. God forbid, yeah. God forbid, yeah. So, like, tongue in cheek. It's all tongue in cheek. Um, you know, one of them dies or something horrible happens to them. And a big thing has been like, you will come back to church when something terrible happens. You will come back to church when something terrible happens. And I'm like, well, first, it's making me not want to go back to church when something terrible happens. It's just to be really, really like staunch. We'll be there We're waiting. Yeah. Where is he? He's late. Um, and, and, and it's just the simple fact that like, they think that there is no way of dealing or recognising pain, emotion and trauma without giving it a supernatural explanation. Like, you have to give something a supernatural explanation for it to make sense, for it to be okay, for you to have hope and purpose. And I fully understand why people believe that's true, but it's not actually true. You can, I, I think, you can stop and look at the reality of the world and go, this is not how we're created, this is how things are. It's cold and it's hard and it's difficult. Yeah. But in those cold, hard, difficult places, we still have love and empathy and morality and, and we can create purpose and we can create societies and cultures and yeah, there's gonna be evil and trauma and all those difficulties. And I'm aware someone will go, oh, you said evil, you can't prove evil. I meant, you know, evil things that happen that man do to other man or, or you know, tsunamis or whatever, you could argue are evil. They're not, it's just the world moving, but and you, you will just realise that there are always horrible things that can happen and do happen and will happen and we just like to have comfort, we like to have hope and you know, if 
while my children was really ill and really hurting, I would be very tempted to go back to praying and seeking God and clinging on to that kind of life vest that it gives me. That just because you hope in something, and I say this in my blog, and I know we've argued against it as well, that just because you hope something is true doesn't actually make it true. I want to put my hope in something that is actually true. And I would say that, for instance, evolution is a truth I can hold on to. I'm not saying that evolution has got absolutely everything spot on and perfect. I'm aware that you know in the next 200 years we'll find loads more fossils, loads more will shift, the whole branch of whatever will shift, and my ideas of evolution will shift with that. But that's a really good way to have a belief system is it's changed based on the evidence that is brought forward for it. Yeah. Not just planted there and going, it's this and that's it, there's no other option. That's really dangerous and that's how you get extremism, that's how you get, I mean, Sam Harris writes a great book called The End of Faith. And in the book, he's explaining extreme religious actions, but actually going, you reading this book, you probably aren't one of these extreme religious people, but you're the ones that are allowing the extremism to come about because you're holding on to your very conservative, locked-in, strict belief systems. Like homosexuality is wrong. You can't do X, Y, and Z because it's against God's will. That you know, all these sort. Of, you know, you've read the read the Bible. You know what it's like. Because you believe those things, you are instigating the ability for extremism to come about, and that's a really worrying other side of the coin that people don't like to look at or talk about because they want their personal belief to be all about them and their relationship with God and the miracles in the New Testament I know we were talking about church last time and a bit, a bit about the New Testament we'll talk about the Bible in the future but the miracles in the New Testament were not for an individual it happened to an individual but it was for the community at the time so whether or not you believe they're actually literally true it's not a conversation but you know, someone getting their sight back for the people around there would have been a massive symbol that Yahweh was literally amongst them acting and moving because that's what the point of a miracle was and that's what I believe a miracle should be in the church today it's not a personal feeling where you're fluffy and it's not you know the paycheck dropping at the last moment to see you through something it is the restoration or completion or promises of God lived out in a miraculous event amongst the people we just we just don't see that like I don't I've never seen that and if someone can tell me they have seen that and I can actually you know go and see that or something and that'd be fantastic but there's no one that has and no one that will there's just people that hope in the stories and don't live in the reality which is really hard to have a conversation church um, encourages either intentionally or unintentionally this like self-deception um, within churches Do they encourage these stories encourage this almost as a way of two twofold one with a good heart to encourage their congregants or and also with uh, justification of their existence do you think that there is this propensity to that to happen I think so I think if you look at it on the flip side if you believe that God is all-loving and all-powerful and wants his creation to return to him because he wants to have a personal relationship with everybody, if God healed every cancer, like walking through a church door or by being involved with the church community because that's how he acts through his church, I guarantee that there'll be a lot more Christians than there are today. I'm not saying everyone would be a Christian, but I am guarantee that there would be way more people involved with church literally seeing these miraculous events that you cannot explain any other way than 
someone lays on hands or whatever it is that happens and the cancer is gone or yeah. the amputee's leg grows back or the blind eyes that have been completely gouged out actually return and they can see like there would be so many more people going this is literally true because we're seeing the, the outworkings through the church which is what God says to do Jesus is ahead and it that, that's the flip side of where we are now and I believe you have to have self-deception and you have to have the wanting to believe what you're saying is true why because you're not seeing those things you, you, you're not just does, does this make sense because yeah. you, you would yeah go on yeah it's the idea that um again for the listener to consider is how many miracles quotes you see and hear about in church are actually things that are visibly different as you said someone's leg growing back yeah. someone who has someone's been involved in a car accident their legs got chopped off and now they've got legs back again compared to as you said my back feels a bit better like I've got a bad back and now it's better which I mean if that's true wonderful but yeah that could be attributed to so many other things someone's as you said someone's physicalized growing back can't be attributed to a natural event it is completely different so I know yeah. there, are, there are some atheists out there or agnostics or whoever would say yeah but you know you have lizards who will literally lose a limb and grow it back so it is possible yeah without god but if you were to attribute it to the church and that's where that's where i think the bible's that's what the bible's trying to say and where it's trying to place this where you'll see jesus out working is through his people his bride i really think that's what the new testament's saying and i could be wrong but that's what i think um you, if you could literally see people's life changing because of his bride the church it would be completely different to just someone round, leg randomly growing back. It would be a, do you know what I mean? It would be a, a statement and a massive mark in the ground saying, here, this is where it's happening. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about TV, Joshua? Yeah, I'm just, um, I find this guy hilarious because he's such an obvious fraud. Um, but I, I've, I've had people share this guy with me as proof of miracles existing. Okay. And this guy in uh, Nigeria, I believe. Yeah, Prophet TB Joshua. And watching his videos is hilarious, like, because they're so obviously fake, but people long and believe them. So, we have videos from preaching, going through the crowds and healing people, but everyone he heals, some of they have an abundance of, like, straps and supports for people's arms. And it's always like, I've got a bad back, can't walk properly, struggling with walking. And he just goes up to them and hits them a couple of times, and they take off the support or the strap or the neck brace. And the person walks away saying, thank you Jesus, I've been healed. But it's always those indiscriminate, easily explainable things you can't see uh, happen, and it's so obviously fake. But people love this stuff, and they give money to him. He's like so obviously a fraud, but um, people desire it to be true so much that they will willingly pay money to it. So they will watch it. They will believe it, and it just blows their mind. And then the question about the church is that this guy is obviously a fraud. Like it's so obvious. Just watch his videos. It's so apparently fake. But. As with all extremes, when does that extreme become just normality? Like, how far away is the common church from that? And it's an honest question, again, to ask anybody who attends church is, although this guy, you can YouTube him, it's funny, but when does that seep into normal church? And where are the boundary lines, where are the grey lines to that? Where does his actions actually merge into our actions in normal church? Um, is someone standing up on stage declaring miracles that they can't prove? any different to uh, this guy who is being deliberately fraudulent. So I think it's an interesting question to ask, you know, the whole open question and get people to actually really think about these things is, uh, yeah, how much of it is actually true? Have you been to meetings where you've seen things happen, but have you? There's a great documentary online about Benny Hinn, yeah. um, 
basically outing him as an entire fraud, which he is, he's a complete scoundrel, there's no two ways about it. Um, and the way that they, have you seen it? No. So um, there is a, a conservative Christian guy uh, who has cerebral palsy, I think it is. Okay. Or motor neuron disease, if I'm not medical, I don't know how related to that. And he's, um, he struggled walking and he did a, an expose along with some other people. And he'd go to these crusades with Benny Hinn and he'd walk forward to be for prayer. And then anyone with an obvious disability would be funneled away from the stage. So I'd be walking down, so I was the guy, I'd be walking down the steps towards the stage and then an usher would come up and go, oh, if you just wait here, we're funny, wait here, wait here. And um, then all the people who had obvious apparent illnesses, they'd be funneled away. So you'd never actually see them on stage. And if you'd have got to stage and people with a back complaint mm. or a, an achy knee or a um, hearing aids, and all the stuff that you can't actually show and prove, um, so the whole racket is completely fraudulent. It's deliberately done to take advantage of people, the hype of the music, the whole setup is intended to cause hype and trick people. Um, but it's the same thing, like how much of that stuff is unintentionally, I believe, used in church, um, used in the way that we discussed it before, how at the end of a sermon often the, the musicians will come up and start playing and the keyboard in the background and people do very out loud prayers emphasising hyping. Um, and so it's the real question of how much is real and how much do you want it to be true and therefore you believe it is. Um, because I've got a great desire for miracles to be true. I've got a great desire for them to be a real thing and God really moving. But fake miracles and this pretend I find deeply troubling. Yeah. Because you're you're attributing something to God that potentially isn't God and that is well, it's quite offensive actually. <laughs> um, and it's misleading and can cause a lot of um, pain basically yeah. if you are you're struggling with your health <coughs> and according to people everyone's being healed of X, Y and Z yeah. but you're not yeah. why am I not? why am I not being healed? why has that person been healed? but were they ever healed to begin with? so there's all these questions I think it's something you really have to take a step back and go how much of this is really true? how much yeah. do I want it to be true therefore I'm making it true? how many times have yeah I've got money through I wasn't expecting and I attribute it to God. And was it actually God? Or was it just a coincidence or fortunate? Um, for the reason that there's plenty of people who don't believe in God who have these fortuitous events. And it's just, that was good. Yeah. I got a tax rebate. That doesn't mean it was God. It meant someone did your taxes and realised you paid too much money. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, I mean, if you believe in God, that stuff could be God. Yeah. It could be. Yeah, it could be. There's a thing as well. It could be God even if you don't believe in him. Yeah. So it's that... It, so there's two things I want to touch on. That's okay. Very briefly. Yeah, go for it. Um, it's the it's the idea that you where where is your line with where God moves and where you are. Like you are a thing, whatever that thing is. I think it's just a conscious being, but whatever that thing is, you are a thing, and you have experiences and you have feelings and thoughts. And these experiences, which I'm going to class as feelings and thoughts, there is a line where you are interacting with literally the creature of the universe. If you're a Christian. Yahweh himself is interacting with you and talking to you. Where is that boundary? Where is that line? It's like it's painted in with a um, some sort of fading brush, where like a watercolour which goes from really light to really heavy and dark. Like there's somewhere in there, there should be a literal line where this is where the crossover of realms happens. And we, you, you can't find that. And it might be because we're, we're spiritual beings and there's a spiritual God or whatever you want to say. But 
there should be a literal line because you go to church and for instance our, our Sunday service um, was great in terms of everyone felt really good but actually all it was was it's a, a reminder and an affirmation about what somebody already believes built upon by the previous Sundays and the previous Bible readings and you're just being re-reminded of God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy and all these things from God but you can't actually see the line of where God is interacting and where humans are it's it's blurred and it's muddy and it's confusing and some some of them use that as an argument of God I'm sure they'll go oh that's because God is you know, whatever works within his people I completely agree but surely there should be a thing because that's my other point non-Christians should be experiencing this as well Jesus wasn't a Christian he was a Jew going to the Jews and showing Jews things but he also healed those who didn't believe in Judaism like the Roman centurion or whatever might have been part of the culture but didn't actually live out wasn't literally physically a Jew right he hadn't had the, the operation and he hadn't had the heritage that would make him a, a proper full Jew um, a proper Jew <laughs> um, it's a weird a weird phrase um, in, in that time and place anyway it, it's this interesting idea that like why on the train if I'm sat next to someone who I can see is struggling with depression or is arguing with their wife and I pray for them doesn't God instantly act and move why I'm not saying he should but it's that if they're at church and they're both believers I can encourage and draw out of them and make them see and realize and recognize and do things and they'll then attribute it to God but it's not like God actually drops into a situation and actually changes something from the, the ground up right in a church you're already saturated and it's like a a watercolour brush that's painting from very light to very dark but in a non-believer's life sure there's no watercolour at all it's just their life at some point I can't see why God can't drop in and actually completely change something because I'm a very very firm believer that the Bible says God will, God will write to him his truth on your heart you, you'll literally know that he is real I don't believe it's possible to literally know God's real because I don't literally believe he's real I want to but I don't and it's this awkward idea that I believe that I could literally know God's real and I also believe I could have free will. So I could know that God is real fully and still make the decision not to follow him. Yeah. If he can do that, why hasn't he done that? And that's a massive part of it, I think. It's obviously, I think it's because he's not real, but it's the question for the believer. Like, why hasn't God done that? And I've had people say, you know, it's like a, um, a king coming and wanting his followers to, when he finally gets there to see him and realize he was always king, he just wasn't on the throne at the time or in the place at the time. but. We believe that Jesus rose and died from the dead, that he's sitting at the right hand of God, that he's the ruler of the entire world, that he's going to return, and he's that, and that's when he's going to fix pain and suffering, death, and all those things. I understand that, but that he's still active, living and moving amongst us. But then you can't actually go, well, that's Jesus, and that's Jesus, and that's Jesus. You can just go, I want that to be Jesus, and I want that to be Jesus, and I'm going to assume that that's Jesus, but it's not actually there. Um, so yeah, why can't he actually write it on our hearts and prove that he's there and then actually allow us to make, actually do what the whole Garden of Eden did, which was separate us from God. But they still, even when they're separated from God, they still saw him. He went, you're going to be leaving now. And they still had encounters in the Old Testament with God and Jesus literally came to the earth and walked. And why do some people have that and other people don't? Unless it's just a story that's been given to provide hope. I can't see any other explanation currently. Yeah. Preach over. <laughs> No, it's really important, and um, it's an inter- raises an interesting question of again for the listener for the, um, to consider is how many times have you seen someone who isn't in church be healed? So on the street, your neighbour, the person who doesn't come to ch- church, how many times have you prayed for someone and genuinely seen them healed or the miraculous happen? How many times have you given a true word of knowledge yeah. to someone who isn't in church? Um, 
all those sort of things. And you hear stories like John Wimber, all that sort of Bethel stuff is all about going on the streets and doing stuff. But again, how much of that is actually miraculous, or how much of that is just group dynamics, social dynamics? Um, and it's a good question. Like again, so you as a listener, how many times you've actually seen this, truly seen this, and how many times? Has something happened which you wasn't second or third hand knowledge it was you saw with your own eyes and something which cannot be explained any other way other than god and um sadly for me i know that's a very small list um that's not to dismiss some things like in my little little church gathering someone prayed for my back that was knackered and it, it generally went from being hideously painful to fine in a second and i didn't want to tell anybody in case it was me being an idiot and faking it mm. so i didn't tell anybody for three days i tested it Wow. And it literally got better. Hmm. Um, and it was really weird because I was and still very sceptical and I didn't believe it was true. But my back got better. And part of me is like, there's so many other explanations. So I agree with the decision because there's uh, the Rosenthal effect is when you're in a group, you have subconsciously this desire to conform. And that can be and has been attributed to healings because the brain is so powerful in its rule over the body that healing can happen because of group dynamics. So it could have been that. Um, the counter to that it was a very small group and I didn't feel particularly pressured because I know them all very well and I wasn't wanting it to happen in a way because I was so sceptical so that was odd but it's just a back it wasn't my leg didn't grow back or my voice had short sightedness and my eyes had never been healed so I'm not saying it was definitely a miracle but it's an interesting glimpse of what might have been um, so I hold that with interesting tension and so those things are great and so any the listeners those sort of things I'm not dismissing them because it did affect my life and I would and have done attribute that, that to God whether it should be or not I'm not sure mm. but yeah when you've actually seen these things when they're actually true and then consider all the essentially charlatans we see in the Christian world the Benny Hins and their method and then attribute that to church how many times are those sort of things not used as explicitly but are used within Christian settings to cause and um, result in healings or feelings of being better. I think that's a real challenge to us all. Mm.